we are in a series called Breakthrough. Last week, we kicked the series off, and we said that many times, and this is what the whole series is based on, many times, I don't know about you, but in my life as well, there's a, a time where you kind of experience a spiritual deadlock, like a standstill in your spiritual journey, like you can't really break through to God. It's, it's as if there's a connection problem between you and God. And this whole series is based on helping you to break through your spiritual deadlock. But that will entail some emotional work. That will, that will ask of you to really go and realize that God has made us in his image, body, mind, and soul. And we can't isolate any of these aspects as a human being, which means that mostly and often, frequently, when we experience a spiritual standstill in our relationship with God, it is most probably because we are hiding something emotionally from Him. It's because last week we spoke about the fact that something's wrong. I can't experience this breakthrough. And it's because you say you're okay, but actually you're not okay. And last week from Scripture, we realized and we learned that it is okay to not be okay. No one expects of you to be okay. You think everybody expects of you to be okay. You think God expects of you to be okay, but it's okay not to be okay because there's something wrong with all of us. <laughs> and this whole series is based on the fact that in order for us to experience a spiritual breakthrough, we have to share everything honestly and openly with God, including those emotions and those emotional places that we don't dare go to, that we don't dare explore again. And the, the, the reason why we experience a spiritual deadlock in this is because we lie to ourselves and our people and to God. We're living a lie if we think everything is perfect and okay in our lives. So um, I, I've been so overwhelmed by, by the feedback from the kickoff of this sermon series. I thought uh, this, these are the things that people do not want to hear because nobody wants to go to those places. Nobody wants to open up old wounds. Nobody wants to talk about the things that are making them vulnerable and, and really taking them to places that they thought that they already have dealt with before. But it is amazing how God works and the freedom people are already starting to experience. So if you are new, if you weren't here last week, if you haven't been here for a while or it's your first time here, I know this isn't exactly the theme to kick off a year, but this is what God told us to do, so we're doing it. And we are already seeing fruit of his greatness and faithfulness in people's lives. And today, the theme of my message is your true self. In order for you to grow spiritually, you have to break through the false self into the true self that God has created you to be. The false self, when I refer to the false self, I'm referring to the fact that we build walls and we develop personas. We place masks upon ourselves because we feel the pressure of family or spouses or friends or the workplace or society or culture or whatever it might be to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to talk a certain way, to worship in a certain way. But that doesn't make it true to who God has created you to be. And I, I had a very interesting, vivid image, a real example of what this may look like in real life. 
When someone is detached from their true self, from what God has created him or her, you and me to be. Last week I was ministering in a different province and uh, it was on the Saturday and while I was driving back, I was so tired. The, the Friday night, we didn't sleep very well. My son was up most of the night. And then when he just got to sleep and he was okay again, we had load shedding and it was so hot in our room and the mosquitoes was going crazy because the fan wasn't on anymore. And it was just a horrible, horrible evening. And as I was driving back the Saturday, afternoon late coming back to Kempton I was thinking about last week's sermon and I was just sitting there and saying God I'm not okay and I'm trying to think that it's okay not to be okay but this is just horrible please help me and while I was in this you know just really tired and I was hungry and I just wasn't in the mood for another 250 kilometers Oh, it was just horrible. I saw something that I had to look twice to realize what was happening. So I almost had to pull over and just think if what I'm seeing is really real. So I saw, a, I saw two vehicles driving past me and both of these vehicles are identical. Now, you, you, real, you know how cool it is when you see the exact same two cars driving close to one another in close proximity. It's not something you frequently see. And so I was seeing that while I was driving and thought to myself, wow, this is, this is quite cool. But then I looked a bit closer. And then I, I saw this wasn't the actual two cars. But then I saw it was really... It was really these two cars, but this isn't the, I didn't take a picture while I was driving, that's what I'm saying. Then I looked a bit closer and saw that the one is a Toyota and the other one is a Suzuki. But they have the same parking sensors on the same places. They've got the exact same headlights. They've got the exact same bumpers. These are identical cars, just with different badges and different names. How crazy is that? I almost pulled off the road because I couldn't believe it. Who in their right mind will take the exact same thing and make it so generic, someone had to design the perfect hatchback so that Toyota and Suzuki have decided, no, we're gonna both roll that out as our mainstream hatchback. It's exactly the same thing. And I want to teach you a word today. The word is differentiation. Differentiation means that you have the ability to spot the difference between things. Now, there's no real differentiation going on here except the fact that the badges and the names change. The rest is exactly the same. Even the features are the same. And... When it comes to our relationship with God, we have to become spiritually mature so that we are able to differentiate between the false self and the true self. The false self has been created by us and our egos because of the pressure of parents and family and friends and peers and a lot of different influences in our lives that made us think that we have to adapt to survive. The true self says that we don't have to care what we are or who we are. The only thing we have to focus on is who's we are. We are God's sons and God's daughters. And that should be first and foremost enough that we are chosen and not forsaken. 
We am who God says we are. And nothing else matters. But the fact is that a lot of us are not really emotionally healthy, which means that we cannot really differentiate between our true selves and our false selves which means that we are in a bit of a predicament. We think either we're a Suzuki in a Toyota body or we think we are a Toyota in a Suzuki body. We don't really know who we are. We don't really know who we are truly called for. We don't really know what we are placed for here on earth. We don't truly know what the purpose of of our lives and our existence are. We're confused. And... The moment we start to become emotionally healthy, the moment we start to mature spiritually, we develop the skill to differentiate, to spot the difference between when we are being fake, when we are having a facade, when we're holding up a mask, and when we are true to what God has called us to be. This helps us to to realize and to recognize the difference from when we are adapting to culture and outside influences or whether we are adopting certain truths in God's word about us and making it part of our lives so that we can live in the truest version of ourselves, the version where God has a calling for our lives, a purpose to work in us and through us. I don't know if I'm the only crazy kid who did this, but when I was young, I'm talking about six, between six and 10 years old, it would happen so frequently in my life. There wasn't major disappointments in my life in this stage. I thought the world was my oyster. I thought everything was nice and rainbows and unicorns. And I, I really just knew that everything was gonna be okay. And I never really experienced pain uh, emotionally or, or so on. Uh, so I would lie in my bed at night and I would envision myself Self, living the purpose that God has called me for. I would see the pictures. I would experience the motivation and the energy when I think about these things. Maybe some of you have laid on your, your bed or sat on a couch or just had some alone time. For me, it frequently happens in the shower. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I relax and there's white noise and it's just awesome. I don't know. But In these times, you envision yourself being the CEO of a very successful company that you started and built from scratch. You envision yourself being the best dad. You envision yourself being the best wife to your husband. You envision yourself being a teacher and inspiring kids and really making a difference in their lives. I don't know who of you had moments like this. I need you to work with me now. Otherwise, I can end the, the, okay, there we go. We do have people. So I'm not crazy. We, we go through these things that we see a clear picture of ourselves. Doing something purposeful, meaningful, significant. And then for some reason, we become generic like those cars. We're not unique anymore. We don't think of ourselves as a person or an individual that can make a difference, that that is in any way, shape, or form significant. We don't think of ourselves in that way anymore, and we are not true to that vision that, that just sprung up in our innermost being. Rather, we conform and we adapt to the pressures of society and culture and people closest to us. And our pain shapes us into this lifeless, generic, simple people who has zero job satisfaction, who has zero satisfaction in relationships, who constantly feels that everything is wrong with everybody instead of adopting the truths embezzled and embedded 
in God's word. It's, it's forged into his word to be forged unto our lives so that we can experience the life and life in its fullness in living in the truest version of ourselves. Now, I want you to get this. There's no getting to your true self. There's no getting rid of the generic version of yourself. There's no walking into what God has called you to do and to walk in the purpose and significance that he has for your life without Jesus. There's none of this experiencing your true self without Jesus, without the creator of you. God knows what he has created you for. So why go to anything or anyone else to find the truest version of yourself? The truest version of you is with Jesus. And he wants to help you. He wants to develop you into what God has created you to be. And Jesus has the authority to do this. Because throughout Jesus' whole life, I'm not talking about his three plus minus years of ministry. I'm talking about his whole life. People and society and religion has tried to make Jesus adapt his calling. To make Jesus make a few tweaks and alterations. Let me explain it to you in this way. A lot of people was disappointed in the way Jesus was the Messiah. The big crowds that followed him, they thought that the Messiah, their idea of the Messiah was to be a political ruler, to bring political freedom and to help them get rid of their financial and social struggles. They thought they were going to get a Nelson Mandela to bring democracy back against the Romans. And then they were disappointed because Jesus wasn't a political ruler. He didn't come to, to fight political and social problems. He came to establish a new kingdom, a new era a new way of praising God. This is what he came to do. This is what God called him to do. This is the path that God set out for him. And it could have been so easy to say, oh no, people are not liking the fact that I say I'm the Messiah and that I am the Son of God. Because the people in Nazareth, the people he grew up with, if you read in Luke, You'll see that those people he grew up with, the moment he taught something in the synagogue and said that he is the way and the truth and the life and that he is the Messiah, they chased him out of church and they, they went and, and put him against a cliff and they tried to push him off this cliff. They tried to kill Jesus. They tried to, to conform him. They tried to mold him into this idea that they had of what he should be. They tried to make him a generic ruler, a generic savior. But God called him out for something specific. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't care how you react. I don't care who you think I am. I care about who God says I am. I don't care about what you may think. I don't care about what you may say. Who I care, what I care about is whose I am. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God and no one is going to make me conform into a false self. God has called me for something very specific and I will not budge. I will dedicate my life to live in my true self, to see the significance and the purpose and the power that God is going to exhibit through my life when I commit to my truest form who God has created me to be. The true self, I say it's more about whose I am than who I am because the Bible teaches us that we are chosen and not forsaken. 
We are made in the image of God. We are co-heirs of Jesus and the inheritance of his kingdom. My God has given me something that no one else in this room has. Our God has given you something that no one else in this room has. And letting society and culture and history and pain and friends and family and spouses conform you to a generic version of yourself makes you untrue to who God has created you to be. And in the Word of God, we, we read a passage of Scripture. And I want you to page to Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 26. In these few Scriptures, we we learn that we have to adopt a few habits for us to be emotionally healthy, to mature spiritually, and break through the habits of adapting to society and culture and what other people expect of us and be someone we don't even recognize anymore who we, where we don't know who we are. Are we a Toyota with the Suzuki body or are we a Suzuki with the Toyota body? I, I just don't know. I just don't know where I fit in. I just don't know what to do. And rather of doing that, we, we get three things on how we can adopt three habits that will help us to break through those barriers and peel off layer by layer of this facade that we live with, this ego we live with, and to break through that into our true selves. I'm going to read from the message translation in Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. <laughs> I just love that. I, I just love this. I love the fact that Jesus loves his disciples so much that he doesn't leave them. He went to work on them. I love the fact that God loves me and you so much that he doesn't want to keep us here. He doesn't want us to live this, this fake life with this, this mask and this covering and this shield. He wants to work on us. He wants to chisel away all the lies we've, we've believed so that we can enter, we can break through of that and enter into a life where we are our true selves. So Jesus went to work on his disciples and he said, Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Who has um, control issues? <laughs> who likes to, to who who likes to use the brakes when they're in the passenger seat? Who doesn't like it when people drive in a way that you don't like, and you're just like, ah? Jesus says. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all, but self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but, I, but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? Now, in the differentiation factor, I want to show you this graph. People that are emotionally unhealthy, they score here. They score in the zero to 25 percentile, and then people who are like Jesus, uh, that's obviously 100 uh, percent in spotting the difference between the false self and the true self. People who are living here are living fully within their God-given calling and their God-given purpose and living fully within their true self if you are 100%. 
there are a lot of things in between and maybe Bjorn, we should make a note and post that on Instagram with a, a nice thing on social media where we can show you every single percentile and every single quarter of, of what the descriptions are. Uh, we'll organize that for you. Check out social media. But now I'm just going to focus on the 0 to 25% and the 75 to 100% and just show you a bit the difference of what a life looks like that is not in the true self, that's in the false self, versus a life that's in the true self. A life that's in the false self, in the zero to 25% uh, is people who can't distinguish between fact and feeling. <laughs> now this is harsh, I know, because who of you know that when you are going to be in a altercation with someone or you are going to differ in opinion from someone, it is not very far from the fact that you will get emotional, you will get triggered, and you will start saying things that you don't really mean, and then instantly you get yourself into this blurry space where you can't distinguish the reality and the fact from the emotion you are feeling. This is scary, and these are indicators that you are living isolated from your true self. It means you are, are so wrapped up to, in, into your ego that you can't see reality. This is what it means. Your emotion blurs. You are emotionally so unhealthy and so unstable that you can't see reality. Now, I'm not saying that if you are that person, you are terrible. I'm saying that's something I struggle with as well. When I saw this graph, I thought, the Lord must help me. Because this is scary stuff. If you're in the zero to 25 percentage, it means you are emotionally needy and highly reactive to others and their opinion of you. It means you need constant validation of who you are and what you are doing. And you need constant applause to know that you're still on the right track. It means that the moment someone close to you are not praising you and not telling you how wonderful you are and what a great job you are doing and, and how significant you make other people feel around you, you're starting to question the relationship or the, the direction the relationship is heading in. If you're in the zero to 25 percentile, then you don't have the ability to say in a conversation, well, I think ABC, this is my opinion about, or I believe that this is the truth. You don't have the ability to say it. The opinions of other people sway you around and you change of opinion and belief between various conversations you are in and out. Let me give you a very good example. When you are in love with someone, you want some sort of thing that you both relate to. So people will say, oh, I love pizza. And then the other person will say, oh, no, I hate pizza. That's the worst. It's like a flat feet cook. And then this person who loves pizza will say, yeah, yeah, no, I see what you mean, you know. To come to think of it, I don't really like it either, you know. It's just a gross thing. This means that you are emotionally unhealthy. It means that your ego has taken over. You have been placed under so much pressure to conform to a certain way that you don't even recognize the true self anymore. But people who live there in, in the last percentile between 75 and 100%, well, these people are principle-orientated and goal-directed. They are secure in who they are. They don't get moved around and shifted around by others' opinions. But also, here's another fact of maturity, is that these people can sit in honest, relational conversations with other people that do not have the same beliefs or opinions of them without being swayed, without being converted, and without holding that against the other people for having a different view or a different belief. That is maturity. That is someone who is secure within their true self and what God has made you and called you to be. These people 
can listen without reacting and communicate true emotions. Imagine how incredible your relationship will be if the other person and yourself could listen the whole thing through without reacting. <sighs> you know those eye rolls and those sighs when the, the person you love is telling you something. They're trying to be vulnerable to make this relationship better and you're just like, <sighs> mm, okay, so now I'm the worst person ever. Why don't you just go and get someone else? Clearly I'm not good for you. We go to those reactive places, but people who live there, who are sure in what God has called them to be, who are sure and secure in who they are in Christ, don't do that. They say, oh, I messed up. I'm truly sorry. This is not a way I wanna express love to you whatsoever, and I have failed, and I deeply regret it. Imagine conversations can go like that. Imagine the relationships and marriages we would have if conversations were actually this easy. But Jesus, Jesus was true to himself. And he was constantly, constantly, constantly seeking God because he knew that he cannot remain in his true self, in his true state as God has created and called him to be without God. And this is the first habit that we really need to integrate into our lives if we want a breakthrough out of our false self into our true selves. And we read this in verse 25 when Jesus says, follow me and I'll show you how. The first habit that we need to integrate into our lives to break through the false self into the true self, into who God has created us to truly be on this earth, in this life, is we need to be alone with God. If you're taking notes, write this down. Be alone with God. Jesus says, follow me and I will show you how. Instead, we follow friends. Instead, we follow trends. Instead, we follow other people we know nothing about. And we just do the things blindly that they tell us on Instagram or Facebook to do. And we think it's so wonderful, but we have no secure identity in who we are or what we are supposed to do. So we learn parenting skills from people we don't even know. And then instead of being the in control one and the structured one. We try and be the loosey goosey and fun one, but that's not what God has called us for. God has placed us in this specific relationship, in this specific family to bring structure and discipline and order. But now we're trying to be something else because we feel the pressure of people telling us we need to be more fun. Or maybe you're the fun one. Maybe God has called you to be the fun one. Maybe God has called you to sort things out in a light way. But there's so much pressure from society and rules and people and trends and your spouse that you think now you have to conform to the fact that you have to be structured and disciplined and have all of these things together. And meanwhile, you're losing life. You're losing energy. You're losing focus on what's really important because you're not acting from a place of your true self because you are not spending time alone with God, the one who created you, the one who knows your true self, the one who invented your true self. And this is what, he, what Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, verse 6. The message translation says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. You know those, those intimate relationships where you are alone. And if you are alone for long enough, the issues come to the surface. This is why there's always a, a power struggle. This is why there's always a fight on a holiday. If you wanna know someone really well, go away with them. If you wanna sort out your issues, be alone with them. If you want everything to come to the surface, 
Spend quality time with a person. It will come up. It will come to the surface because being alone with someone is intimate and it leads us into a vulnerable space. And Jesus says, if you want to really know what's going on in your life, if you really want to know what I've called you to be and what I've called you to do, come be alone with me. Follow me. Don't follow anyone else. Come be alone with me. Find a quiet and secluded place so you are not tempted to be in this false narrative to role play before God. But come as honestly as you can manage. And the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. Now my boy is two years old and It's impossible to have a a decent conversation with my wife when he is in the room. It's impossible. And maybe you're sitting here all judgmental and say, well, you need to, to practice some discipline in your house, mister. Well, I'll send you a video. If my boy didn't see his mommy the whole day and he comes back from school and she wants to tell her husband something very important that happened in her day, he doesn't have that at all. Instead, he's pulling on her clothes and says, Mama, 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 mama. He wants her fully undivided attention, which means that no decent conversation can happen in these spaces. And we are okay with that because he's small and he doesn't comprehend the things that are happening. But then there comes a sweet window that I call the golden window of opportunity to talk to my wife. And that is when my little boy is fast asleep. When I choked him out, not really, he goes to sleep when he's tired, it's just a joke. But there's a window every single night that my wife and I are alone. Yeah, we are honest. She cries about everything, especially now that she's pregnant with the second one. It's just tears the whole time. But she can't be that vulnerable when we are not alone because Our son doesn't understand what's going on. He's too small to comprehend. And sometimes we are trying to be vulnerable with people that are too small. They're still spiritual and emotional infants. And they try to reduce the emotion. They try to take the emotion out and then we don't feel validated. We don't feel seen. But Jesus tells us, don't go to them. Come to me as honestly as you can manage. And I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all, but self-sacrifice is the way. Just come, come, come and be with me and I'll show you your true self. Don't go and look for yourself in any other place but me. The second habit that will lead to a breakthrough from our false selves to our true selves is to find trusted companions in life. Now there's... There's a lot of things in this life that we can do alone. But being a Christian is not one of them. We are called to be alone as honestly as we can manage in the times we pray and have conversation with God so that there are no distractions. But we are not called to live this Christian life alone without people. Following Jesus implies walking the road with others. It implies this, which means that you cannot do this alone. And the, the, the funny thing is, the places we, we experience the most pain is from relationship, but the, the places that we experience the most pain are the exact same places that we experience the most healing. If you experience pain and rejection in relationships, the only place you are going to get healing from is in relationship. And that's what Jesus is calling us to, is to live vulnerably, to live honestly with other people. Because other people can see in us what we don't see ourselves. And sometimes God uses people for us to see and acknowledge our own pain. Sometimes God uses other people to see what really gives us energy, that really, what really helps us in life, what's really our true passion our, and our true calling. Because sometimes we are so warped up and, and binded into this false self and this pressure of this idea of what we should be that other people can see. But listen, that's kidding you. 
You're not supposed to be busy with that. You're not supposed to be a lawyer. But every time you're around kids, your eyes light up. I think you're supposed to teach. I think you're supposed to to use your degree to develop children and not cases. This This is what true companionship looks like, is when people help you to gravitate more towards your true self. So I wanna tell you today, if your relationships are keeping you here and putting pressure on you and telling you what you should and should not be, you need to get out of those relationships, whether it is romantic or whether it is friendship. If it's a marriage, don't get out of it, but work on it with God. Because you've made a commitment and you're in a covenant. But your relationships in your life, your companions in life are supposed to help you to see who you truly are. Because we all know it's difficult for us to see it. It's easier to see it in someone else. And God has placed people to help us to stay on the course, to help us to trust again, to help us to believe again, to help us to shed those layers of the false self to become the men and women that God has created us to be. That's why Romans 12 verse four and five says, in the human body there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. And so it is in the body of Christ, for through we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means, and this is important, Listen carefully to this. We are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. What Paul actually means here is that we are better together. We need each other. We need one another in this life to become the men and women God has created us to be. Our true selves are never isolated from the body. This you must understand. When you are living isolated from the body of Christ, you are living in a false version of yourself because God has a specific calling for you, a specific purpose for you in your true self that has his place within the body of Christ. It's within the body of Christ that Jesus gets glorified. So if you are not fulfilling some sort of a function, big or small, within the body of Christ, you are not living the truest version of yourself. You are not being the man and the woman that God has created you to be. The third habit that will lead to a breakthrough in becoming your true self is to move out of your comfort zone. Whose mom told them that the right things are mostly the difficult things in life? Yes. Your mom was right. Listen to what verse 26 says in Matthew 16. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? There's this mystery in our relationship with Jesus. He says, if we want to try and fight for our life and get our own joy and really deserve what we have in life, we're gonna lose our life. We're gonna lose our joy. We're gonna lose our passion. We're gonna lose our energy. We're gonna lose our significance and our purpose. But if we give our lives to Him, if we fully commit to Him and say, here I am, Lord, just do with me as you please. I wanna live in the truest version of myself. I'm gonna spend time with you. I'm gonna hear directly from you what you have planned for my life. I'm gonna walk this journey in following you, Jesus, with other people who have some say in my life and then help me to see what you have called me to be God. I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone and I'm gonna do the difficult thing because it's easy to just point the finger and put the blame on someone else. It's very difficult to be as honest as you can possibly manage and say, God, it's not them who screwed up, it was me. I'm at fault here, please, I just wanna be in your will. It's very easy to stay quiet about your faith in Jesus Christ. But it's very difficult to stand up at your workplace and in conversation with friends and in conversation with family and and in conversations with people that you don't even maybe know. It's very difficult to, to, to make a stand and to say what you really believe. 
It's not comfortable always living in the true self. For Jesus, it wasn't comfortable being true to his calling. It's not always comfortable being what God has called you to be. But he didn't call us to comfort. He called us to purpose. And there's this wonderful passage I'm ending off with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. It says, every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. And then he says, he goes into details. He says, if you have received the ability, if your true self has the ability to talk, don't try and talk and manipulate people and confuse them. No, use it for the glorification of Jesus to inspire them to live within their true selves and the, what God has called them to be. If you are called to serve, don't go and serve people in such a way so that you can be thanked and glorified. No, serve in such a way so that Jesus can get the glory and the honor that he deserves. The Bible teaches us that every single one of us as the people of God has a specific role and a specific function and if one part of the body is not well the whole body struggles which means if you are not doing what God has called you to do if you are not fulfilling some sort of a role within the body of Christ there is a part of the body that you are missing from and there's a part of the body that's not functioning the way it should. So the whole body, the whole church is suffering. And when the church suffers, Jesus doesn't get the glorification and the worship he deserves because that's our main purpose, to glorify God in what we have been called to do. It's not comfortable hearing the true self. It's not comfortable but it's packed with purpose and significance and value. And God has given you something special. I know it has been a while that you've dreamed about yourself, that you felt this feeling that you can be meaningful and have an impact in life. But God has never removed this precious gift inside of you. He still thinks you're the bee's knees. He still thinks that you have something special and valuable to contribute to his body and his church, his bride. And today in Sign Up Sunday is the day that you commit and say, God, I'm gonna try and break through. I don't know if I'm gonna hit all these habits that I've just learned straight through the, through the gate, but I'm gonna try. I just wanna commit and say, here I am, God. I, here I am, as honestly as I can manage. I don't have everything together. To be honest, God, maybe I don't even know what I'm truly called for. I don't even know what I'm good at. But here I am. I wanna serve in your kingdom. I want to be part of your body. I want to give my time and my energy and my resources to help make your body function in a healthy way so that you can get the glory that you deserve. Today, I'm inviting you to be co-workers and co-builders with Jesus to build his house. I'm not asking you for help. In fact, the, the more volunteers we have at this church, the more difficult our work becomes. It doesn't make our work easier because it takes a lot of admin and a lot of preparation and a lot of work. So don't see this as you helping me. You're not helping me. See this as you being a co-builder and a co-worker with Jesus in building his body and fulfilling your purpose within his body so that you can have life and life in its fullness and be living in your true self so that the body may be healthy so that Jesus can get the glory that he deserves. He's calling you. He wants you to be part of his body. 
There are a lot of ministries that you can be part of. They have this on, on the board. Uh, you can be part. This is Afrikaansian, but this, you can be part of, of the worship and the Kaladio kids and the poor's youth. There's outreach projects. There are the hospitality team that prepares all the communion tables when we have communion that greets the people at the door. You can be part of the technical team. You can do camera work. Great work, by the way, for the camera guys. You can be part of the, the team there at the top doing the sound and pushing the buttons and you know, I'm not, that's why I'm not there. But you can be a connection group leader or you can be part of our online campus that's officially launching at the end of February. And it's gonna be so great. We need people that, that when someone gives their life to God and they are watching online, we are integrating with a system that you can virtually take this person into a virtual prayer room and you can one-on-one -on -one pray with them even though they might sit in Germany and you might sit in Benoni. You can be ministering to them. You can be part of the creative team that makes everything look pretty and nice. Whatever it is, do it to glorify Jesus. There are a lot of other places that you can serve and be part of this part of Christ's body. All you need to do is say, yeah, I'm, I'm available, God. Use me. And if you don't know, there's a nice card you're gonna get at the back when you walk out. If you don't know what box to tick, just make a lot of question marks and we'll call you and we'll make an appointment and we'll drink lots of coffee and we'll try and figure it out with you. We'll pray with you and, and we'll, we'll figure things out and if the first thing is not a fit, maybe the second thing will be a fit. But we'll walk this road with you so that you can fulfill the function you have called to fulfill within the, the, the body. Of Christ God wants to use you he loves you he cares for you he's a, he has a plan for you and he's calling you to break through the false self into the true self and do what he has called you to do let's pray God thank you so much for your word thank you that you help us thank you that you don't push us away but you you always draw us in to be part of what you are doing and I pray that, Holy Spirit, you will give courage and that you will talk now and speak to people regarding the role they can play within this church. Thank you, God, that you want us to be co-workers and co-builders to your house. We love working with you. We love the, the life and the passion that we experience when we are in your will. And I pray that every person that might fear in this moment that they are not good enough, that their contribution won't matter, I come against that in Jesus' name. And I pray that your truth will become their reality your truth that every one of us has been called and that the church is at its strongest when these people are the most involved so that Jesus can get the glory. We worship you. Amen.